Probably the biggest challenge for first home buyers is it saving the deposit or paying off the mortgage. In this episode, we untangle a bit of confusion around this question. Welcome to your first home buyer guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. we saw this headline, $155,934, shocking salary you need to afford first home guarantee. (laughs) And it got us thinking about the importance of having a balanced view of how income and savings worked together. Mm. But before we get to that, there's a special house that you have behind you in the video this week, Megan, and I can guarantee no first home buyer is going to be buying this one. (laughs) rather unique nor you and I probably no um you and I have both actually driven past this house at different times in our lives Mm -hmm. this is the pole house at Fairhaven Beach in Victoria now it is across the road from the beach so the Great Ocean Road actually goes across in front of it and it's about 40 meters above sea level you I can only imagine what the views must be from up there and how windy it must be (laughs) That's the thing that I get. The wind must be horrific. I must howl through there. (laughs) And also it must vibrate. Like it literally is this house sitting on a pole, on a stick, you know, with a big long sort of walkway from from the. a lollipop. Yeah, I don't, I've never liked it, to be honest. I think it's um, far too exposed and, you know, I wouldn't feel safe. a conversation point. But, hey. Imagine getting up there. Incredible. If the the lift wasn't working. (laughs) He's all lift up the middle of that pole. This would be like Centerpoint <laughs> Tower. All right. So even though you may aspire to that one, we're not going to recommend anyone buy it. Um, <laughs> There's a few it, fundamentals missing there, but it has got scarcity factor. It definitely has scarcity. Um, I actually think I heard that you can um, stay there. Um, oh, it's Airbnb, isn't it? I think, but I could have that wrong. So fact check me someone, send us a message. All right. <laughs> Don't go knocking on their door. <laughs> Back to the topic at hand. How much money do you really need to take advantage of first home, you know, loan home guarantees guarantee. and yeah. all that stuff? But Look. it's also really how much money do you really need to buy a property? And mm. it's not just the savings, is it? No, look, it's all well and good to say that the greatest challenge that first home buyers face is saving the deposit. Um, therefore, you know, the answer must be to get them into the property sooner. 
but is it really? You know, I, I think this is the thing that you and I debate constantly. And, and the less deposit you have, the more you have to borrow. And the more that you have to borrow, the more you need to be able to pay on a regular basis. That is every month or every week or however, however you set your, your, your payments up. So just because you can save less to get into something more doesn't mean you can actually afford it on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. So this, this idea comes with a lot of consequences and it comes with a huge amount of risks um, Veronica, you've, you've, you've got some examples here that you'll take us through so that people understand what we're talking about here because just because you have saved a little bit and you want to get into a property may not mean that you should. Yeah, and we've talked about in previous episodes about buying A-grade, B-grade, C-grade property and, and anything that encourages you to buy a B or a C-grade in order to get into the market, you have to look at very, very seriously. But but back to that sort of the less deposit you have, the more you have to borrow. And I think this is a really important thing that people sort of, um, it gets a bit glossed over. There's a whole politician, so we're helping first home buyers. We're helping you get into the market sooner. It's like, yeah, that's fine, but can I afford the repayments? Um you know, not to speak of negative equity, which we will get into a little bit later. But um, just a quick disclaimer, we're we're recording this during the uh, election campaign. Mm. This is not one of the election. We're not pulling apart one of the election um, policies here. This is the existing scheme that is in place as at the 18th of May. Correct. So this, is, this is actually in place. Yeah, correct. This was actually announced in the last federal election in mm. sort of towards the end of the campaign as well, interestingly mm. enough. Anyway, so well, say- why we're talking about it is they've actually increased the price caps. So it's, ha- it's topical right now because they've increased the price caps on how much you can pay for a property to, to still qualify. And it makes for great political sort of a, a, uh, announcements because like now more people can take advantage of it. Hang on a minute. So we saw this article, which we'll put the link in the show notes too, mm. which is that shocking amount of money you need to to earn to be able to qualify <laughs> for the highest Great headline, but there's actually some some really good uh, some information good below in that headline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you read the headline and go, that had nothing to do with the article. It, 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 <laughs> it did choose the worst example, but hey, don't they all? Um, so say, for example, that you buy a $700,000 property. Now, forgetting purchase costs for a moment, let's just look at the actual cost of the property. And if you have a 5% deposit, right, so you'd be borrowing $665,000, right? You probably borrow more, actually, if you have to pay costs, but let's just for the, ex- for the purposes of this exercise. And your repayments, if you assume a 3.5% interest rate, right, which is slightly more than you probably have to pay right this minute, but mm. hey. Um, We're heading in so, that direction. Yeah, we are. Uh, so your repayments on $665,000 with that 300, 3.5% interest rate would be around uh, $3,339 per month. Whereas if you had a 20% deposit, you'll be borrowing only $560,000 and your repayments will be $2,813 a month. That's using the same calculator. So Mm. you'd need enough income to cover an additional $500 a month, right? So, Mm. of course, if you were saving, you'd be saving that towards your deposit. But you have to remember that, you know, once you commit to a property, you're no longer saving, you're repaying a mortgage. And you probably don't have a buffer either if you only had 5% deposit. And you can't take a breather. Yeah, yeah. Takes a real, your cash flow takes a battering, and you got to start to try to, from that point, to try to build a buffer, try to build some sort of safety net around you. Mm, mm. Um, and and I think that that's the thing that sort of, oh, yeah, great, I can get in the market sooner. 
but your ongoing costs, you've got to be able to manage them. Yeah, you do. And and buffer is a really important word, Veronica, because you know, we harp on about it quite a bit uh, in your first home buyer guide. And, and it is about having some money there that's sitting there and it is savings. You've, you've got to get it somehow. Some money that's sitting there in case something goes wrong. Now, um, we highly recommend people talk to insurance brokers about personal insurances like income protection and and um, TPD and, and, and all of those sorts of things that can kick in if something drastic happens. But if you simply go through a period of time where you can't work for a reason that isn't covered by any of those insurances or you have a long lead time into when you when you qualify for one of those insurances, you have to have the, the ability to pay the mortgage during that period. And if you, you've, you've pushed yourself to your absolute limit and you haven't been able to build a buffer or you haven't got a buffer there, um, there's great risk in that that you may fall behind in your repayments um, and then you've got to catch them up again somehow. Yeah, so whilst the headline for this article, which you can read if you want to click on the link in the show notes, is it's really a good a, read, actually. It I, is a good read. Yeah, there's some really good examples in there. It's about, well, how much do you need to earn in order to repay the mortgage if you went to the top? You know, so, and I'll explain that in a moment. But yeah, tax. but the reality is that income is really important for home buyers, not just about how much you can borrow, but also how much you can repay, because obviously the amount you can borrow is determined by your income, not by your savings. Mm right? How much you can repay comfortably, but also how your cost, your your quality of life is and your uh, contingency planning, for instance, as you're just talking about there, that's all dependent on income as well. Mm. You know, so this whole idea about, oh, you know, get get first home buyers in with 5% deposit, it's it sounds really great, but you've got to dig underneath that and realise, you know, what you're buying into mm. and, and the commitments that you're making. Um, and then there's the risk of negative equity. Equity, which is pretty so important because equity is, of course, the difference between what you owe and what the property is worth. That's your equity. That's the thing that you kind of own. The bank owns the other bit, which is what you owe. Uh, So that equity bit, when you only have a 5% deposit, of course, you have less equity in the property. And if there is a correction in the market, which we're starting to see in some aspects of the Australian property market and, and particularly in Sydney and Melbourne and particularly in B and C grade properties, if a correction comes that brings a slight decline in prices, you may actually end up in a negative equity position. So actually owe more than what the property becomes worth if it decreases in value. And that is the biggest risk, I think, because the bank may turn around and ask for you to tip some money in to help top up to that 95% lend again. That's so, hard. Yeah. And also, you know, we don't want anyone buying and then suddenly having to sell, right? We don't want you buying anything that you're going to lose money on. And think about this. I always say to people that forget all these home loan guarantees or whatever. Say you had 20% deposit, right? So lovely big fat, chunky deposit, you've got good income and you've got the extra 5% of purchasing costs because you've got to pay stamp duty. Let's just assume you're paying stamp duty. I know that there's plenty of first-time buyers who want to avoid paying stamp duty and I understand why you want to avoid it, but let's assume you have loads of cash, you know, you've saved it all or you've been given a lot of money and you've got the, the, um, the income to support the mortgage. You buy that property. Now, if you then suddenly have to sell it, say you get divorced, 
say you relocate overseas and it's not viable to keep it. Say just say anything anything in life happened that that means you need to sell it. You really need a five percent gain anyway just to cover the costs. Just spent, yeah. Mm. So the cost to get that property in the first place was five percent on top of the purchase value. You wanted to have gone up five percent just to make sure you'd break even if that happens, mm. right? How many times have you seen a property come on the market, Veronica, that they purchased twelve months before? Except for this market where things are rising rapidly, but mm. they've purchased it six months before, change in circumstances, and they go, "All right, well, I paid this. I need to recover my five percent cost plus the agent's commission of three and a half percent. So I need an extra eight and a half percent to to get out of this mm. property." That assumes that the market has risen that much, and of course, people are smart enough now to know that just because you paid it doesn't mean that it's worth it, worth it now. Yeah, this happens remarkably often mm. and, and and I don't know about in your neck of the woods but I I don't even look beyond my own sort of little you know microcosm of where my business is located for instance you know I did an exercise uh at the when did I do it 2019 and I actually reviewed properties that had sold in the I think it was the last two years prior to the end of the last boom and then on sold within 18 months right mm. so I just mm. reviewed all these properties I got 50 without trying too hard 50 examples, most of them in those market conditions had lost money, most, Ouch. not all, mm-hmm. but most. Mm-hmm. And, and even at the beginning of this boom that we just sort of had, I started tracking properties that had same deal, changing hands in some of them less than seven months, like less than 12 months. Mm. And fine, they're lucky, they're lucked in line with the market and some yeah. of them made extraordinary gains. But, you know, obviously their circumstances changed and they just had luck on their side. The, mm. the first bunch, those 50 properties that I, that I evaluated a few years back, they didn't have luck on their side, you mm. know, and mm. they had still needed to sell. And, and, and I think that that's an important thing to understand. If you remember one of my favourite reports, the Pain and Gain Report, the <laughs> CoreLogic's Pain and Gain Report, and in fact, Kent and I are working on another one, which is the, what do we call it, the win-loss report. So we're working on a more refined version of that. Oh, but fabulous. The, um, the Pain and Gain Report showed that it, it, over that period of time, something like 13% of properties sold at a loss. And even in the last one I read, which came out, I think it was the December quarter 2021, I think, oh, Correct me if I'm wrong. It's around about the eight percent of total properties sold in that quarter sold at a loss, even in a rising and that's market. In a rising market, yes, and got to be incredibly, incredibly careful with that. So the risk of negative equity has been has been experienced by a lot of people. And I think you know, it's those, underplayed. Yeah, those mm. people may have had they may have been able to pay their mortgage off because they had they owned. Um, or they paid it down or they'd actually had a 20% deposit in the first place and they lost less than that, but they actually sold for less than they paid. Mm. And so when you sell for less than you paid, when you've only got, you've got a 5% deposit, the risk of you actually ending up owing more than you get for that property is huge. Mm. So it is much, it is much greater plus what you put into it that you've lost as well. Yeah, mm. yeah. So there's a, a double hit there. Now back to the article with the shocking headline because it's a cracker. <laughs> it was referring to the price caps. So th- this is the change that's, that's taken place you know, middle of May. Um, so, for example, in New South Wales, the maximum price you could pay for a property in Sydney or a major regional centre and still qualify for this scheme is $900,000. 
Now, this is where the attention-grabbing headline comes from about salary. They have worked out that you need a salary of $156,000 and they've calculated it. And honestly, it's a great read and it's a bit of an eye-opener, I think, if you haven't really thought this through. They've calculated that a couple with a car loan, because we need to go from house to house, house to business, business to (laughs) shops, Shops. school (laughs) to sport, um, and two dependents, so average kind of family structure, they'd need to earn $155,934 in able to get a mortgage of $855,000. So numbers are $900,000 purchase price is the maximum cap. Uh, 95% of that is $855,000. To service that from a bank's perspective on current interest rates, you need to earn about $156,000. Now that's way above the average income. But it's also, that's for a couple. Couple, yeah. With two kids and a car loan. Um, (laughs) The the thing is that, and and I've often said this, and it's, I know it's unfair, but it is what it is, right? Property in this country is expensive, right? It, 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 we can fight against that. We can argue against that. We can get mad about that, but it's a fact. And the mm. minute you own a property in this country, you do not want it to go down in value. You, you want know? the prices to keep increasing. Yeah. That's exactly right. Mm. You know, and mm. each one of you, if you're in that, you're in the first home buyer camp at the moment, you're trying to get onto the ladder. And, you know, we get that it's difficult, which is why we've, why we're here, right? Mm. But the fact is, the minute you buy, you do not want prices to fall. Mm. <laughs> because otherwise, why would you? <laughs> why would you buy? And you move very quickly from one frame of reference to the other. It's it's the moment you buy that property, you want prices to go up. That's exactly rapidly. right. I, I don't want to feel stupid for having purchased this property. You know, I, I want to feel like I made a good decision. I want to feel like I've really set myself up financially. I want to feel like I'm really looking after my family. I've got security. You won't feel secure if you owe the bank more money than the property is worth. You know, you won't feel secure if if you really are hand to mouth with your repayments and then an interest rate comes, Mm. Mm. rise comes, interest rate rise comes, which there are going to be more. I mean, I think we we can um, be fairly, (laughs) I don't need to be predicting anything to say that. Inflation can't be controlled in in any other way except to curb spending. So what does the Reserve Bank do? Um, anyway, we digress. That's another. Yes. That's a whole another topic, and, <laughs> and, and, and other experts who uh, who analyse that a lot more closely. But but it, it's safe to say that we have been on these fantastically low interest rates for an extended period of time. It's not sustainable, and and you have to factor in that there are going to be interest rate rises in the short term, and I think for the medium term as well. So when you're factoring that in, banks are going to start to look at a higher assessment rate. Mm. And therefore, you have to earn more money to be able to service that higher interest rate. That's right. So whilst it's true, and I think there was recent headlines around saying you now needed 11.4 years or something to save up a deposit to buy a house in Sydney, and, and <laughs> you know, it is just insanely expensive. I get that. And looking at a 20% deposit hurdle is huge. And obviously, looking at a 5% is less. Mm. <laughs> much less, right? It seems achievable. It's, it, but- absolutely. It starts to look achievable. Yeah. Mm. It's the next part of that equation is that is really important. And that is where focusing on income is really important. And it's like some people, like they'll go and take a second job, they'll go and drive Ubers or, or do, I don't know, do deliveries or whatever mm. to get their deposit. And that's fine. 
Well, yeah, uh, um, and that's fine if you you know to do that to squirrel away and sh- and to um, save deposit in a, in a shorter period of time. But you've got to be thinking: Can you sustain that? Is it sustainable? Yeah, yeah. To, in order to repay the mortgage. So if, a lot of focus does need to be on the income. And I know that, you know, we're not career advisors at all, but, you know, can you are your greatest asset, you know, can you go and, and upskill so that you can earn more money? I mean, these are the, the more sustainable ways of um, of helping you into home ownership in a way mm. that actually is, is you know, hopefully going to not burn you out. Career trajectory, yeah. And then how reliable is that career trajectory or are you – are you banking on something that may not actually come off? Um, and, and that's a difficult thing if you think, well, if interest rates go up, you know, apply for that promotion, that's not, that's not a given. Uh, it, it's, it's, there's a risk factor there. Um, and, and how much you're prepared to play with that risk is, is very unique to you, but you'd want to have a really good think about whether, you know, how likely is it that your income will rise if interest rates rise? It's not highly likely to happen overnight, you know, there's there's mm-hmm. usually a career path that takes you in that that direction. Um, but you know, that's how people do leapfrog strategies. They start with the smaller, manageable at this point in time, then when the career takes off and their income increases, that's when they can start looking at actually in, in increasing their mortgage or servicing a higher level of debt. Yeah. You know, and saying all this, what's going through my head too is thinking, oh my God, you know, you want to do a job you really enjoy. So there <laughs> becomes the challenge. If you, if now, if you, before you bought the property and you're thinking about making a career change because you actually hate your job, get that done before you buy. Because <laughs> once you buy, once you get locked into a mortgage, you're pretty stuck there. If you're on a good earner and mm. you don't really like what you're doing, um, that's, that's a, that's a, that's You've a, got big to commitment. a mortgage. Yeah, mm. <laughs> it's, it's no time to start a small business after you've committed to a large mortgage based on a, an income, a set income. Um, Not unless it's a side hustle. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I guess that side hustle, I'm really glad you mentioned that because I was just going back to the Uber driving and the Amazon deliveries and all of those sorts of things. Banks may not take that income into consideration. So just because you have used that income to accelerate your deposit saving strategy, it is highly unlikely that it will be used uh, taken into account as part of your serviceability or how much the bank will actually lend you. So um, don't rely on that when you go to a, a broker to, to talk to them about how much your borrowing capacity is because those sorts of side hustles, they're not, they're not guaranteed income to the, to the extent that the bank would like to see that income consistency. So the moral of the story is that even if you have the savings or an inheritance, if you don't have the income to support a mortgage at the right level, you won't get the finance, Mm. right? And then if you're pushing the upper limits and you really need to budget in, you know, for rate rises to be safe, because we want to make sure that, you know, if you do go out there, you can't basically just put yourself right on the wire to buy your first property and then you have no contingency plans, no fallback position, um, and yeah, you're, you're stretched, and life is not fun. You know, yeah, yeah. And and this, I guess, you know, it's, we've sound a bit negative during this, but it's because we we like to make sure that people understand their risk before they enter into these sorts of schemes and opportunities. The opportunity in and of itself is not a bad one. Mm. It's it is actually a good one. What we want you to do is understand what the risks are, so that when you go in to look at this as an option for you and talk to a broker about, well, can I do this? That you've actually thought about these other contingencies, these other risks, and you can manage for those. 
So don't just focus on the 5%. Look at the whole picture. Can you service it? What happens if interest rate rises? What happens if the market corrects and drops a little bit? All of these things, if you cover these off, then the surprises that might come at you unexpectedly, you, you've got a toolbox of responses to say, all right, well, I've already got my contingency because I've got my buffer over here and I'm comfortable. Absolutely. Our real mission here is to help you be educated so that you can make confident decisions and then you don't fear taking on debt, mm. you know, because you have covered off this stuff and you do understand it. So, yeah, you're right, Megan. I think we have sounded a bit negative. We're very, very positive <laughs> we're not about... Putting, we're positive about this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. do it well with your eyes wide open. <laughs> In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff. 